Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. I am Warren Munson, the host of the podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and experts from a variety of sectors are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. In line with Evolve's principles, we also look at the importance of personal development, accountability and collaborative support in the pursuit of meaningful success. Through the insights of our guests, as well as my own business journey, the aim is to inspire you, the listener, to become better in life and in business. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. In today's podcast, we're speaking to Felicity and Melissa Barnard, who together with their mother and other sister, founded LDS Training, a training and e-learning company in the midst of the pandemic, a true family venture. LDS, which stands for Learn, Develop, Succeed, was born out of an alertness to the way in which the pandemic, with all of its implications for remote communications, was about to cause a massive shift in the way businesses and people interact with each other, as well as the way in which we learn and develop. And while remote platforms such as Zoom have been a lifesaver to every one of us during lockdown, I think we can all relate to the challenges that interacting via a screen can present, whether it's technical problems or simply the difficulties involved in reading people's facial expressions and maintaining the flow of conversation. And even as we emerge from COVID, it's clear that remote interactions are here to stay, whether it's team meetings, client calls, family discussions or interviewing potential employees. So it's vital that we adapt to it successfully. The pandemic has forever changed the way we communicate and do business and LDS Training is aiming to be a front-runner in teaching companies and business owners to optimise the remote tools available to them and develop engaging e-learning courses. So in this podcast, Felicity looks at some of the positives of the long-term future of remote working. I do think that it is more fulfilling for people to be trusted in the role that they're in and be given some autonomy and be able to complete tasks using the skills they have. Melissa gives us some useful tips on how to make your Zoom meetings better. Definitely preparation is key, 100%. The more that you can prepare, know who's in charge and are clear about that, the better. And Melissa reveals what she loves most about online training. You get so much joy out of just seeing people being able to succeed themselves and and just understanding a couple of buttons on zoom can make someone's day if you want to learn more about evolve and the services that we offer then please do go to evolvemembers.com but for now let's get on with the show Welcome, Felicity and Mel, to the Evolved to Succeed podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, well, it's great to um, have you on the podcast, and it's great to first of all learn a bit about the business, the business you've set up recently, and then uh, as experts in all things Zoom, Teams, online training, e-learning, I've uh, got a number of questions that I think will be really valuable for our listeners to uh, hear. So. But really, I just want to understand a bit more about your background. You're obviously two sisters, really a family business. So how did the business come about? Well, well, um, originally, we were all in lockdown last summer. 
and um, we could really kind of some of us were working from from home from other businesses and we could really see a kind of gap in the market where people were really struggling to adjust because it was such a sudden change and you can even still see it now sometimes on the news or certain programs with a lot of um, people who aren't necessarily used to working from home having some technical difficulties we've seen a few of those and we've seen the cats and the kind of <laughs> procedural stuff we've seen it all i suppose and we? the kids that was uh before we were even in lockdown i think yeah um but yeah so we uh looked at what we could do to help melissa's um got a training background so okay uh that's where her expertise is um designing modules and content and getting it to look really flash. Um, but yeah, so we started looking into it and we did see that there was a really big gap in the market for that kind of training and, you know, that sort of level of understanding to bring people up quickly to a point where they can, well, function as well from home as they could from an office, really. Yeah. And so that's where that um, combination mail came from, was it with the kind of not just the online tools and teaching people how to use the tools, but the learning piece came from your background then? Yeah, yes, definitely. Because I already had those skills. I think that made it a lot easier for us to see how we can share that information remotely as well with people. Um, I think as well, just to add on a little bit to what Felicity was saying, we are such a close family and we actually found it on a personal level really difficult that we weren't getting to see each other all the time mm. and even as we were starting you know my background is in training and largely in technical training we did not know as a family how zoom worked how teams work how you can make that work you know just so that you can actually see your friends and family i think people are used to doing things like facetime but that's you know on a phone it's one-on-one -on -one. it's not necessarily being able to have multiple people in that conversation or you know, utilize other tools like your laptop, your TV to make sure that it almost feels like you're still getting to see them as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and so we have ha we have done just, you know, things like YouTube videos as well, just because we think it's not just about being able to use it at work as much as that is helpful. Mm. And as it turned out, then, you know, we're still we're now a year on and still in this exact same situation. <laughs> but there was an element of helping people just connect with other people and stay connected to their families and stuff as well. And out of a need and a desire, as you say, as a family yourself to do that. So how's it yeah. been you know, coming together as a family? You've had successful careers before starting LDS. So how does it feel like coming together as a family to run a business? I think that our mum has always said that one of her greatest things is that the three of us that we have another sister as well are so different and um she is just over the moon that we have a bunch of different skill sets and we've taken quite different um paths in life so actually as as three of us but certainly Felicity and I start off with we have completely differing skill sets, which actually works quite well, because whilst I might be able to create the training, um, Felicity definitely probably has a bit more of a business mind than I do, so she keeps me on track with what I need to be doing. 
Brilliant. Yeah, just to follow on, I um, I agree. And we are really close family anyway. So it wasn't kind of that we were thrown together because of this. We spend a lot of time together. We all live relatively nearby. Um, and it, it was a ch big change for us in lockdown, not being able to see each other. And um, But I do agree with what you're saying that we, we're used to doing stuff together. We're used to even working together at times because there are those moments in life where you're applying for a job or something and you need a bit of help with your CV or a bit of coaching or a fake interview. So we are definitely used to um, working together as well. Yeah, so the collaboration is there, being a close family and, and knowing each other's strengths. That must have, you know, in a time where we are, everybody has been remote, being able to play to strengths is everything every business owner wants to do with their team but you know each other's strengths so it's just become natural i suppose to make that transition and and you know take the take the roles and responsibilities that were needed to get the whole business off the ground yeah definitely and i think um there was that i think there's always worry as well when you're setting up a family business that it's it's just going to be like your children again and there's not going to be any agreement ever. But actually, um, we definitely have realised what each other's strengths are and how much they differ. And I think having to work remotely as well means that you have to rely on the other people and you, you have to trust that they do know what they're doing and that they are working for the same goal that you are. So you, in the same way, obviously, that we're trying to help other businesses, you can't just micromanage each other all the time. You have to have strong communication, but trust that the others are doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, we're all working towards the same goal. Yeah, I agree. I think um, yeah. some of the modules that we have developed actually do focus on that. So we've got the output driven management module, which really does focus on how people can change their management style to adapt to their teams working from home. And a lot of that is about trust. And it is about, you know, you've employed these people because of the skills they have. And it's it's good for you and good for them, for them to be able to use those skills to complete tasks. It's much more fulfilling for people than just being told, this is how I want you to do it. You have to do this, this, and this. And basically being a robot who's just inputting data or just doing exactly as you're told. So that's kind of the more kind of, um, way that we like to work to have that trust there and to rely on yeah. each other's skills and i'm gonna to have to ask the question any challenges being a family business and starting a family business in lockdown other than perhaps not being able to get together as much as you would have liked to get things going but what are the challenges being then i think differences of opinion of opinion in in terms of what direction we're going to go there's definitely been um that and i think that's probably still evolving now and that will naturally evolve but certainly at the start i think um there were differences of opinion and also technical ability and i think probably um felicity and amy will agree that understanding my physical limitation and what can be built and how quickly it can be built um that they that was definitely a learning curve to make sure that we could all stay on stay on good speaking terms during that so yeah. i would say <laughs> say that was a strong <laughs> one yeah yeah i was going to say the same i was going to say um, one of the biggest probably challenges that we have faced is um knowing the the level of um 
work it takes to produce the level of content that Melissa's doing and the complexity mm -hmm. and the coding. And, you know, when we've got clients coming to us, can we do this? Can we do this? And um, my partner and I are often like, yeah, we can, we can do that. And we can do that. But um, Melissa might need to um, rein us in a little bit in terms of what's uh, realistic in the time frame. So Definitely. it's that constant challenge of sales versus development, which is what a lot of tech businesses face, isn't it? The sales guys, the MD, the drivers in the business sort of, you know, promise so much and then it's left to the tech team now to pick it up and deliver it and make it a success. I would definitely say that's been one of the biggest. The thing is, though, like I said, because of their strengths and that isn't one of my strengths, if, if it wasn't for that, I'd just be going, well, I need maybe like, six months to create this and they're going no definitely not you've got two weeks so sort it out um so i think definitely finding a happy midway ground on that has been one mm. of our hardest challenges but i think both of us appreciate where the other one is coming from and definitely we wouldn't be where we are now without the sales part of the family going we are going to do this and this is the time frame that's going to be done in so i would i would I mean, say i'm very thankful for there being people that have that skill. Brilliant. Great um, combination of skill sets, attitude and approach there then. Brilliant. So if we go on to just ask some of the questions around remote learning, you know, you know, remote communication, managing teams remotely. I mean, there's a recent survey that suggests, and I'm not sure I quite believe it, but it's nearly almost 75% of employers plan to permanently shift an element of their teams to being fully remote, even after the COVID crisis ends, which I mean, is a staggering statistic. What yeah. positive and negative long-term effects do you foresee this having from the work that you've done so far? Felicity? Okay. Um, yeah, I think, I do think there's some of um, both in different ways. And I think one of the big things that businesses are looking at is the reduction of their um, cost output by having people working from home you know the overheads that they would usually have to pay and and that kind of thing so so i think that's a positive but just sort of following on from what i said previously i i do think that it is more fulfilling for people to be trusted in the role that they're in and be given some autonomy and be able to complete tasks using the skills they have, which isn't going to be the same for everybody. Um, and I think that's a real positive for sort of people's mental health and, and career progression, because you don't learn, you don't develop if you are just told what to do and just do it in that way. Um, I think as well that by being remote, people can be a lot more agile to change. You know, if developments come in, things are a lot more easy to manage in that respect. And even my background, which is kind of construction, there was quite a reluctance to go remote, mm -hmm. not only in lockdown, but also just in general, because they're not generally used to that kind of thing. And I think that training development is really, really important to get people on board and to get people to be comfortable with this way of working going forward. It's interesting. I can see that. And I, I think it's really interesting though, isn't it? Because I think there has been this 
um, situation where people have needed to work remotely and therefore there's been this kind of sticky plaster approach to it and it's mm. worked and everybody's being adaptable and everybody is just working together in teams to make things happen. But there comes a point when if you make that, you cross the line and you say, actually, this is going to be a permanent way of working. The sticky plasters have got to come off, haven't they? And you've got to end up being a place to do to doing it properly with the right systems and processes and the mm -hmm. right technology in place. Um, and you can see the wheels coming off quite quickly for those that continue to think the sticky plaster approach will work. But Mel, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think um, that is going to be the next phase of this challenge, probably, that maybe hasn't quite been seen yet, where people are sure that everything is fine because they have managed. But then there is this different level of, of longer term things, linking back into what Felicity said about your job satisfaction and how you're coping with your team, how you're coping with your manager. And I think that's where we're sort of trying to be yes we will help with the technical skill of making sure that you can use zoom and i think you know to use your term the sticky plaster is that you've worked out how to use a microphone and use a camera but you actually mm -hmm. don't know any of the other functionality that makes being on that call especially from a from a work point of view so much smoother so much easier you know we still hear a lot of this talking over each other you know and also just not understanding who's in charge in a meeting, even smaller things like, is this definitely gonna have a camera this meeting? Or is this not even just cause we're using Zoom, like is it is it a camera off camera on situation? And having the preparation, making sure that you've thought about all of these things, which some will come naturally after people have done a year of not knowing whether or not the camera's on, somebody's then <laughs> gonna make sure they've put that, you know, on their email invites in future. But actually, there are so many more tools that we can use to make it work for you rather than it just be something you have to put up with. And I think that's where this change is going to come when people actually make the decision to say we are going to have remote working and we are making that switch. Because I think a lot of people think they don't need to worry about how that does work because next week or next month, you know, lockdown will be lifted. They'll be back in the office. So they're not really going to work out how it's supposed to work. And I think that's where the next challenge and next step is going to come when they have to start working it out. Yeah. And then they need proper structure, proper etiquette, some of the things that you've already started to talk about. Is there anything more you would add to that, either of you, around meeting et etiquette and meeting structure that you think makes online meetings work? I like the camera on, camera off thing. You know, I like who's in charge of the meeting, all of those kind of ideas. But is there anything else that you'd add to that? Definitely preparation is key, 100%. The more that you can prepare, know who's in charge and are clear about that, the better. And also preparation in terms of set weekly meetings, have them at the same time, have meetings with your team so that everybody knows and understands. I was going to say the rules, but that's not what I mean. The etiquette around is that camera off, is that camera on and all of those kinds of things. I think definitely you know, my previous life, not knowing those things, not knowing if I could do the meeting in my pajamas or not, made that day completely different. Having to get up, having to get dressed in a certain way, put makeup on, that kind of stuff, prepare, did then set that day off differently. It did make a difference to not just being in my pajamas all day while I was doing work. And I think if you can do that and you can 
just be a bit more open about it. It makes everything go better in terms of sending out agendas as well. So you know exactly when you're supposed to be talking when somebody else is going to be in charge, what that meeting is, is fully about rather than it just being some random, oh, we're going to have a team meeting and mm. nobody really knows what they're supposed to be bringing to the table. It's preparation maybe in ways that people haven't fully thought about. Because when you're in a room with somebody, it is you are more used to having that communication and stepping in or having the body language that shows it's going to be my turn to talk now or physically standing up even at the front of the room so you're all focused on one person instead of maybe up to 50 tiles on the screen and not knowing which one you're looking at. So I would say preparation is, is my key point for sure. Perfect. Felicity, would you add anything to that? Um, I would just have to agree, really. I think uh, agendas are really important for the whole meeting. You know, the time, like you said, the camera, uh, who's going to be talking when, what's going to be discussed, because not only does that help the chair to keep control of the meeting, it allows the attendees to understand what they need to bring what do they need to prepare you know a lot of time is wasted in meetings both in in person and virtually on mm. setup you know everybody having a chat when they arrive and you know if, if you have an agenda you can even add in timings to the agenda so you know we're going to spend 15 minutes discussing x and 10 minutes discussing y so that people understand this is the time it starts this the time it ends it allows people to plan their diary more effectively so that all their time is is used as effectively as it can be because they know this meeting is going to end at this time you know i've been in positions previously where i've got a half an hour meeting that goes on for two hours you can't just yeah. walk out of that meeting but equally you're going to miss the next one so i think those kind of things as well just show a respect for your employees or your team that you actually respect their time as well and I suppose some of that is just good meeting etiquette, isn't it? Yeah. And it's just the right way to behave, whether you're in the real world or online, but it's accentuated when you're online, mm. these things become more important. I wonder, you you touched on that. There's there's something, isn't there, about though when you meet in the real world and we host peer groups and we do, well, when we can, networking events and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, at the start of a peer group, you'll have 10 people in the room, they'll huddle up into the little groups, there'll be a little bit of connection. And, you know, and that works, because you haven't got that one voice. Have you seen any techniques to make that kind of environment work online? Whereas if you have just got 10 tiles, and it's only one person that can speak at any one time, it can become difficult. Felicity? Um, I'll, I'll let Mel come in in a minute, but I um, I think there's some really good things that Mel's already done in terms of structuring some of the training we have to allow that. You know, you can use certain programs where um, you can go into a separate sort of room with, say, one other. You can be put in pairs to complete a challenge and, and things like that, um, which I think is really effective. And that's something that Mel has adapted our training to um, to be able to include. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it sort of circles back into it. There is more preparation with that. It's maybe less, you know, just who is the first person in the room and then the second person in the room. And there may it, that maybe there's a little bit more work around making sure that you do that. But I think it makes a massive difference when you do. And it and it is so worthwhile to spend the time to do that rather than just having these meetings, like you said, where it's one person talking and nobody else actually gets time mm. to do it. 
And I think maybe just having smaller meetings that wouldn't happen that are less formal as well in your teams or smaller teams and that kind of thing that aren't always necessarily just purely about work and being able to have a clear clear um, difference between those two as well. It's not a waste of time anymore to have a half an hour meeting with your team where you're not actually talking about work because all of those five minutes where you've said hi in the morning, you said bye at night, you've gone to make a coffee, you know, all of that time doesn't exist anymore. So take the time to actually have those meetings. And also managers should be trying to get different groups together, maybe that wouldn't normally to work together and wider teams and um, those kinds of things to make sure that those connections can still happen. That just because it's virtual doesn't mean that they there's no way of doing it. You just have to plan it out maybe and, and think outside the box a little bit. Yeah, just slightly less spontaneous, isn't it? We've had a couple of new joiners in Inspire, and I'm right. I'm encouraging them just to arrange five, ten minute Zoom mm-hmm. calls mm. with people that they don't normally won't work with day in, day out. Because, as you say, that's what would happen. They'd be walking up or down the stairs in the office. They'd bump into each other. They'd say hello, and they'd have a short conversation. That's not happening at the moment, is it? So you've got you've mm. just got, as you say, I get it. You've got to plan better. Um, and make it happen. I think one of the things that is a challenge though, and I don't know if you've got any ideas on how you overcome this, is some team members will thrive on the fact that they can work in their pajamas or they are working at home. They get a bit to spend more time with the family, you know, because they're there at the end of the day instead of having to commute and they just see all of the benefits and it gives them a layer of energy. But you've then got other people that actually want structure. They want to get up. They um, they want to put the makeup on. They want to get in the car. They want to travel. They want to you know they want to have structure in their day, and the two are at conflict in a bit. So, have you seen any ideas perhaps to make that work or to avoid that conflict? I definitely think it is about understanding your team, not only as a manager but as an individual within that team. And understanding that just because you are thriving doesn't mean that everybody else is. I've, you know, I've worked with some people and they hate it. They absolutely hate it. And I think a lot of that goes just into your personal circumstances as well. If you're living in a, you know, a mansion with several wings, it doesn't really matter who else you're living with when you can walk, you know, 500 yards and being in in another room against somebody that's literally got two or three rooms in their flat and, you know, there's kids and your partner's working and all that kind of stuff. And that does make a difference. And some of those things really can't, you can't get around those things maybe sometimes. But those people I found really struggle have put in place little commutes where they've gone for a walk in the morning. So they literally will get dressed, they'll walk around the block, they will come back. And that then, they then find that that even can change their mental health, their outlook on their day. Because I think when you don't put those things in place and you are just sitting at your desk every day and that is something that you're struggling with, that then does rub off on your team as well. Mm. And vice versa, if you are thriving, you can't go onto every single team meeting and shout at everybody about how amazing it is that you're still in your pajamas and you've done six loads of washing this morning and this is your best life. How did you not know that this is what I was gonna be? I think you have to understand that if somebody is struggling that you need to maybe 
see what you can do to help them. Mm. Um, but there are there are a lot of people that we've worked with that are really struggling. And, you know, another guy makes sure he irons a shirt every morning. Doesn't really matter that he's got his pajama bottoms on because he's got a brand new shirt on it as well. <laughs> and he has the ritual of doing that. Yeah. Um, I think as well, in a different way, it comes into preparation again. Just block out time to make sure you've got a lunch break and go for a walk, do do anything that you want to do in that time. Just because you are working from home doesn't mean you have to work every single hour. And I think a lot of people feel pressure that their manager wants that. Managers are feeling pressure that their managers want that. And actively, when we've spoken to people, that isn't the case. Their managers actually don't need that and, and feel bad that people are you know, doing that much work. So I think, you know, explaining that in your teams, being open about booking time in your calendar so nobody else can book out your lunch break and make sure that you're doing things for yourself and support that as a team. Mm. That's the other thing. It's not just about saying, oh, well, have you booked out your lunch today? Make sure that that's an active conversation in the team, that you're supporting those things. And that's an expectation that people are okay to do that. It's not an expectation that you've woken up, you don't have a commute anymore. So that hour now is work. And the hour at the end of the day of commute is work and your lunch is work. I think you've got to make sure that you're communicating that that isn't necessarily what you need from your team members anymore. It has put that different perspective on well-being, hasn't it? It's, you know, not and from a mental health awareness kind of point of view and making sure people are okay. But the well-being piece, I think that's what we've seen in our teams is actually encouraging people to put a bit of music on when they're working so they don't feel in isolation and like you say get up from the desk go for a walk at lunchtime you know and then do those things that just add a little bit of breadth to the day rather than just you know I, I say I feel sometimes for me it's just relentless I'm sat in front of a laptop managing a business and I'm a people person and I struggle yeah. with it so sometimes you've just got to break away from that and try and do something differently haven't you I suppose one aspect of your training is uh, is helping people to create a home office environment that is conducive to productivity. And I suppose we've touched on a bit of that now, there now. Can you share some pointers, perhaps Felicity, that you would you know also give around making your home office environment productive? Yeah, I think following on from what we've just been talking about is really important. Actually, I think making a commute uh, in inverted commas that you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily a physical walk, you could have a walk around the block, like Mel said, but, you know, having a routine of, right, this is work now, I'm not in home mode anymore, even if you don't necessarily have an office, or you don't have the space to have an office, so that at the start and end of the day, there is a clear line between work and home, you know, even if you don't have an office, and you can't leave the office you can make sure every day you put your laptop away you clear away your workspace so that there is that differentiation between the two and you're not constantly carrying the stresses and you know studies have shown people who for instance don't turn their work phone off or you know you can hear it even subconsciously you can hear it vibrating you know you know people are trying to contact me what am i going to have to do you know constantly going over the to-do list in your head and that isn't restful and that's not good for people's mental health either so i think a really good way of of getting a productive space is this is the time i'm working this is the time i'm not working and you know there are people who need to be on call and stuff and that is different but if you can i think that is really important even if you have an office you know right 
that's the end of the workday now. I'm not, you know, there needs to be a separation, which previously would have been a commute, but yeah, you can still create that in other ways. Yeah, I must admit something I struggle with. There's a few days when I have got into the office because I've needed to generally working from home. But mm -hmm. those days are better days in the evenings because yeah. actually, you know, I haven't just walked <laughs> walked out of a room, you know, near the kitchen and and left the laptop on and I'm still just dipping in and out as exactly. I'm trying to speak to the kids about the school day. When I've gone into the office, you come home and it's kind of like the laptop's in a bag. Mm. If I really need it, it's there, but it's not on. And exactly. it does make a difference, doesn't it? So I suppose it's discipline, isn't it? It is, and it's discipline yourself to say, the difference between home and work and just because you're working from home doesn't mean you can't have a home life that doesn't involve work i think even if you don't need to turn your laptop off and putting it away somewhere really really helps to create that different atmosphere in the house yeah definitely mel you got some thoughts yeah definitely and i think also though reversely it has actually working from home has empowered some people to have that separation you know, I've spoken to a lot of people that are used to having a commute. Their commute is over an hour long. They're used to actually doing work on that commute. Their day starts on the train. And then when they get home, their phone is still on all the time. Whereas now there's less of that separation. They're empowered more to be so aware of the fact that their phone is still going at nine o'clock at night. And they need to make sure they've shut that off. So mm. I think we do often talk about the difficulties of being in lockdown, the difficulties that people have, but some people have been empowered to actually find other ways of that separation that they didn't have even when they had a commute because they felt that they should be working because they're on a train anyway. So they're not driving, they can do it. Um, and it's definitely created a gap for some people, I think, just thinking, mm -hmm. right, okay, th these are, I have to have set hours now. I can't just be on my work phone as I'm falling asleep or eating my breakfast. So they, they are creating clearer structures in their own day about when they're going to start and when they're going to end. Yeah, but it does need flexibility on the part of the employer as well to accept Definitely. that, doesn't it? And I suppose that's the challenge, isn't there, is that, you know, there is still going to be some perhaps a section out there, The I'm going to, going to it's perhaps a bit too detrimental, but call them the old school employers, Who's going to resist that kind of remote working moving forwards? They want everybody at their desks as that's where they can see them being productive. Um, and have you seen that mindset in some of the training that you've had to give, Felicity? Um, I'm very familiar with this mindset. Uh, one of <laughs> some people I've worked for before have um, been really clung to this kind of idea that if you aren't sitting in their eyesight that you're not doing work or you're not working hard enough or should they be asked about their team they're not not going to know what to say or that kind of thing um and they've been very very resistant to um to change towards a more um virtual working but i must say that they we're in their late 20s, early 30s. So I don't necessarily know if it's an old school problem, but I do think it's a management style uh, issue that can be, you know, changed. People can learn different ways of doing things. And I think it often comes from a lack of confidence, whether that's a lack of confidence in, oh, 
I'm not au fait with the technology and therefore I'm not confident checking what people are doing or, you know, how do I know that they're going to meet all the deadlines? Or it comes from a lack of confidence in terms of them in their position towards their managers. And I think training can really, really help build that confidence up and make a more cohesive team in general, not only from the manager's point of view, but from the members of the team and what everybody else in the team is doing and building up that trust. And I suppose that's where LDS can come in, isn't it? Because it's about bespoke training that Mm -hmm. fits the business, it's industry, it's vertical, it's way of doing things Mm -hmm. in the old world into the new world. And I suppose that's where LDS can fit because you can understand the business and help them make that transition. Definitely. Definitely. And I think that a lot of the time it has even, you know, just them having those conversations and saying, what, what can we do differently? And when you start having that conversation and saying, well, you think that you know what these people are doing all day because they're in front of you, but did you not notice how many times they went to the bathroom or how many times they made a cup of coffee, how many times they went out for a cigarette, who they were talking to? Like those, those things also have disappeared and are they still producing the same amount of work that they were before? Most of the time they're producing more work than they were doing before. So you, you can't cling on to this anxiety that they're not doing anything when they're not sitting in front of you because actually their output, and we found in most cases, most people's output is more. Um, whether or not that is because now they are on their work phone while they're eating their cereal instead of being on the, on the bus, I don't know. But in general, we found that most people are actually being more productive and it's just about changing that mindset slightly and just Mm. making them aware of these things, looking at it in a different point of view. You don't have to change that much stuff to actually just be able to see that it is it is okay and they can let go of that anxiety a little bit and i think that's where a lot of it comes from like mm-hmm. felicity was saying and um and confidence or lack of in their ability and they can see that actually that isn't the case and and there are small changes that you can do to make everything a bit more worthwhile and a bit more cohesive for your team and people around you brilliant it's great i would like to just touch on e-learning because um in doing the research for this kind of podcast and this conversation, it struck me that e-learning has got a big part to play in the future, hasn't it? If we're going to be remotely, working remotely, or if an element of our teams are remotely, then that face-to-face natural training that we'd normally give in the office, in the conference room, needs to be replaced with something else. And at the moment, I suppose, if I think about my own business, it's been the sticky plaster approach. We've been doing it over zoom whereas e-learning can put some structure into it isn't it is that your philosophy i think um yes i i think that there is structure involved in e-learning but i think there are two types of e-learning there's e-learning that you do because they need to do some learning and then there's e-learning that you do that is bespoke that is impactful that somebody gets something out of i think one of the biggest challenges that we've had is that most people have sat some e-learning that wasn't great (laughs) that they found was a waste of time that seemed very boring that they might as well Mm -hmm. have just watched some video of some monotone voice and and so I think that that is that was or is still um a bit of a hurdle that we have to to 
get over because people are worried that it's not going to be impactful and it's going to be a waste of time. So I think there are two things. And I think as a trainer, definitely, I personally don't think that e-learning can just replace all training. That isn't how I feel. And we do training over Zoom and that kind of thing as well. Um, and I don't think you get everything out of it because of the communication with other people that you can have the groups and, and learning off of each other you get when you're on a Zoom or face-to-face -face training. But I do think it allows you to start a conversation. It sets a benchmark. It allows everybody to have seen a certain level of information. Mm. And that can be quite difficult when you would have employed a corporate trainer that trained you know, maybe not even thousands of people, just 50 people in your office, they would have been there for a week. And that's that one trainer, who, and that's their speciality. And maybe now you're going into, I'll feed it down through management, and managers can tell teams. And, you know, some managers love the training element of their job, and some, it's not their best quality. So then you're getting differences throughout that message. And that's very difficult as well. We're seeing a lot of mental health training come through, obviously because of the way that everything is. And mental health training is one of those things that the content can be exactly the same. You're reading it off a sheet of paper. Two people delivering that are gonna get very different responses. If you make e-learning impactful, engaging, I think that's one of the things that we always try and do is make sure that you don't just sit there and watch it. There's clicking involved, there's activities involved. Um, so you're actually getting something out of it, that then makes a difference. And I think just because it's called e-learning, that doesn't mean that it's going to be awful. I promise it doesn't mean that it's going to be awful. It's not going to be old school and awful. Felicity? No. Something to add? Yeah, I completely agree. And just following on from what Mel said, we have had you know clients who want to bring in mental health into their businesses. We've been doing some really interesting work with the Burnt Chef Project, which is a local uh, non-for-profit working on making some um, modules with him for mental health and you know it's things as well that people don't necessarily think of you know those modules aren't just for people working virtually there are some um you know careers and sectors which haven't stopped work at all um but I think it is really important to make it engaging like Melissa said and I think Melissa's very good at doing that with the with the modules and you know even since we've started doing this together i've seen so many things that you know i've never experienced and from a construction background i've done a lot of training because it's all health and safety environment mm -hmm. and i have an environmental background which started my interest in training because you have to educate people you can't just expect people to do what you know, if, if the information's not there, you can't just expect them to know what you want them to do or, you know, how to help themselves or their team. Um, and I, th I think from that aspect, training is really important. And it, like Melissa said, it doesn't have to be so boring and tedious. And, you know, I'm just going to sit in front of the screen for six hours and click next 20 times. <laughs> uh, there's lots of other things you can do. Yeah, I think that is a challenge, isn't it, for as an e-learning provider is re-educating the market that the world has changed and things can be done differently because Definitely. in my world it's been money laundering training or professional <laughs> development training and it has been i giggled because it's been click the screen 20 times and sit there for six hours and just yeah. get the certificate at the end you know and it's it served a purpose and that's not what you clearly are going to be about so 
one final question for each of you then. Um, well, what next for LDS and what's success going to look like for you guys at LDS? Who wants to go first? Felicity. Um, I think with what's next is really building on what we have done. I mean, we've talked a lot about our core values and what we think is important and what we think is really going to help people going forward in a more virtual world. You know, for some people that's completely virtual. For some people it's, it's less so. And I just think being able to help businesses that, like you said, are trying to come out of the plaster scenario um, and actually put things in place to help their teams going forward to be cohesive, to, you know, be engaged in what they're doing and want to stay for the business, you know, for them to feel valued. like, yeah, valued, like what they're doing matters and, and getting that kind of feedback still even though that can be harder in a virtual world. And I think one of the things that we do is um, bespoke training. And I think that will really, really come into its own because we can work with businesses or individuals to develop training that is bespoke to their business and their needs. And even if they've already got some training, say in a PowerPoint or printed off, I've seen so many training printed off in a massive ring binder. And it's just like, read all of this. And we can make that into engaging e-learning. And I think that's really going to come to the fore because even in inducting people into your business or into your site or whatever it is, you know, we can't even necessarily do that in person, particularly not at the moment. And it's very, very difficult to, you know, send that out to however many people you're trying to induct and get their engagement and them actually taking the information. So I think that'll be a really big one moving forward. Brilliant. That's good. Mel, anything to add to that? What's success for LD, LDS look like for you? I would probably say this just shows how different Fisty and I are, but my <laughs> success is more um, smaller, which is why we work so well together. But literally just working with clients, for me, at the end of a project that you're doing, just seeing how much difference that can make, especially because even people that do contact us sometimes do still think, oh, it's e-learning, like what can they really do? And then after working with us can see, especially when, like Felicity said, we're building stuff that is bespoke, it is going to work for you because we'll build what you need and what you want. That to me is is what success is. I absolutely love that. That's why I love being a trainer because you get, so much joy out of just seeing people being able to succeed themselves and and just understanding a couple of buttons on zoom can make someone's day and just be oh my goodness i didn't know i could do this or you know i built this spreadsheet and i can share it in teams did you know that we can all work on it together as a group like how amazing is that you know those little things to me are what makes it so worthwhile because i just get so much satisfaction out of seeing people really evolve and i just don't believe that technology is something that should be feared it's something you can grow with and it is there to help you succeed not to make things more difficult um and that is really what we're trying to do is to is to help people enjoy technology and what it can bring whether that is a work thing or you just want to chat to your sister and see her face instead of on the phone or your grandma, because a lot of people haven't been able to see elderly yeah. relatives. And I think them being able to 
pass that training on as well to make it more accessible to everybody. You know, we want everybody to get the most out of it. Brilliant. Two really good answers there at the end. And as you say, you know, great distinction in kind of how you approach and how you're thinking is and I can see therefore how you come together and do work together as a team to create LDS as a business if our listeners want to find out more about um, LDS where can they go um I think we're just about everywhere now that is the thing that our other sister has been doing she's in charge of all of our social media so Instagram Facebook LinkedIn YouTube um it's it's everywhere um and then online on our website as well ldstraining.co.uk brilliant thank you it's been great to have you both as guests on the evolve to succeed podcast thank you for your time thank you for having us I think it's fair to say we're all looking forward to being able to meet in the real physical world again sometime soon. However, I think this period where we've been forced to communicate remotely and work from home has also instigated a huge and positive shift in the way in which we work and live. For all the challenges that come from leading and working with a remote team, as we were discussing during the course of that podcast, there are also those incredible benefits of working from home and meeting remotely. We're provided with that chance to really enhance our work-life balance to prepare for a run or cycle during lunch breaks and of course less time spent driving to physically meet people is a better use of time and also a better for the environment. So as I've said, pandemic or not, remote working, team and Zoom meetings for better or worse are here to stay and I thought Felicity and Melissa gave some really interesting insights in what this means moving forward and how to navigate this new working landscape with with confidence and efficiency. I really hope you've benefited from this conversation. If you want to find out more about Evolve and the services that we do offer, our peer groups, our training, our coaching, to register for our weekly newsletter to get weekly insights, or just find out more about our co-working space in Ashley Crossing Pool, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Evolve to Succeed podcast. And if so, please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. Until next week, goodbye.